geopolitics and empire welcomes back again bob moriarty decorated vietnam vet who flew over 800 missions was the youngest naval aviator in vietnam a successful invest uh, investor author founder of 321gold.com 321energy.com welcome back again bob well it's good to be here i mean you just made a really interesting comment every time we talk there's some other bizarre thing that's just happened well yeah i was just gonna say like at, at this rate uh, the next time you come on the podcast, I think we might be discussing something like tactical mini nukes having been used by either Washington or Moscow or or both. Uh, you know, just again, the context we've we've seen the assassination of Darina Dugina, the Nord Stream pipeline attacks, uh, the attack on the Crimea bridge and just today Russian missiles flying over um kiev and i made it back to the americas just in time and uh, i think we might need to pull you out of retirement bob for some sorties what, what's going on uh well uh, here's what i would like to do because one of the things that occurred to me was we never had any kind of a discussion about the law of unintended consequences and certainly Nord Stream and then the attack on the bridge, and then the attack on, on Ukraine today uh, is part of the law of unintended consequences. And, and basically that says that sometimes when you take action, you don't understand all of the possible ramifications of what can happen. And I'm going to give you a really great example that you're going to enjoy up until about 1955, the United States used to have milkmen. And these would, guys would drive around in trucks and they had quarts of milk and they had eggs and they had butter. And, and you would leave your empty bottles and little uh, container outside and, and they, they would replace it. Well, along came... Uh, the DNA tests 10 or 15 years ago. And a woman in California uh, sent in her sample DNA. And it came back and she was shocked to find that the person she thought was her father wasn't her father. Now, uh, interestingly enough, and because I'm in France, I know this is true. Uh, those tests are illegal in France, and, and you can ask yourself why, but in any case, you can't take one of those DNA tests in France. So uh, the woman was quite shocked when she got her results back because unbeknownst to her, she had four or five half-brothers and sisters spread all over Southern California. And time went by, and the number of siblings grew and grew and grew. So finally, 23andMe looked into it, and it turned out that there was a nest in one particular area of Los Angeles where all these babies had been raised. And it turns out that somebody was the father of over 600 children. 
Now, uh, I, I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not. You should be. Uh, Genghis Khan is related to 8% of all the people in Asia. He, he was a very busy boy. But, but what was it that someone did to manage to have 600 children? And it turns out there was a milkman. Ah, okay, yeah, I get it. <laughs> okay, and here's here's what happened. Now, this is how the physiology works and biology. A woman is most receptive when she is most fertile. So the, the urge comes on these women to to make babies. Same day, the milkman shows up. So the milkman shows up and says, Mrs. Brown, is there anything else I can get for you? And she said, well, why don't you come in and have a cup of coffee and we can talk about it. So uh, unintended consequences are what happens sometimes in, in ways that are totally inexplicable. I, I wrote a piece over the weekend. Now, do you understand what the status uh, of the attack on the pipelines is as of now. A message from our sponsors. It seems we may be headed for the 1930s all over again. Financial collapse, tyranny, and world war. I've already secured multiple passports, offshore accounts, safe havens, and escaped to the sunnier shores of Mexico. My friend Michael Thorup of the Expat Money Show is hosting the Expat Money Summit with 30-plus experts that'll help you reclaim freedom in this fourth turning by moving your life and wealth offshore. Protect yourself and secure a new life abroad. Register now for free at expatmoneysummit.com or don't and enjoy surviving on insect protein while stuck in the metaverse. Since 2020, Ron Unz of Unz.com has argued the COVID outbreak was due to a U.S. biowarfare attack against China and Iran. Jeffrey Sachs, the Russian Ministry of Defense, and others are now making similar suggestions. Weeks before COVID appeared in Wuhan, a top U.S. biowarfare official ran the Crimson Contagion exercise on how to protect America against infection if a dangerous virus suddenly appeared in China. After COVID appeared in Wuhan, it jumped to Iran, infecting Iranian leadership only weeks after America had assassinated Iran's military commander. Iran publicly accused America of an illegal biowarfare attack and filed a complaint with the UN. Ron Unz has produced a free ebook and is available for interviews to further discuss this issue. And don't forget to fund Geopolitics and Empire. You can leave a donation, except on Patreon or PayPal, which have banned us, book a consultation, or become a member. I, I did read last time that the, um, each pipeline has like an A and, and B string, and that on Nord Stream 2, the, like the B string was still functioning. So theoretically, they could send gas through it. But uh, apart from that, I'm, I'm not... Uh, uh, exactly right. There's there's Nord Stream 1 and there's Nord Stream 2, but each particular pipeline has two parts to it. So there, there were three or four explosions, and one of the pipelines was not destroyed. I, I I think it was somebody that you had on, but in any case, someone was talking about how the UK could have done it, or Russia could have done it, or Poland could have done it, and that's bullshit. 
Okay, that couldn't possibly happen. I'm a pilot. I've flown in Europe. I know what the control is like. Nobody could have flown anywhere near that area without the government of the UK, the government of Denmark, and the government of Sweden knowing. So the UK, Denmark, and Sweden know exactly what happened. And I posted a piece talking about it, and I actually showed there were two parts to it. There was a part with uh, aircraft from the USS Kearsarge that were flying over that particular area for days in advance of the attack. And then there was an, attack, uh, an aircraft that actually flew nonstop from the United States, a P-8. And uh, it, it was there at exactly the same time the attack took place. So what I theorize is the United States was behind it. The UK knew all about it. Denmark knew all about it. Sweden knew all, all about it. Uh, the the MH60 helicopters put some kind of underwater transponders on the pipeline. And the very best clue as to what country was behind it is the fact they screwed it up. So, so you're saying it, it, the Russians didn't blow up their own pipeline? I, I don't think so. I, I, just, I, I mean, that that's so ludicrous. That's kind of a test question if you're applying for for, for negative Mensa, okay? Negative I, I, Mensa is we're not trying to see how smart you are. We're trying to see how stupid you are. And if you say yeah. Russia, yeah, I, I think Russia blew up their own $11 billion pipeline. I don't think so. The, the, but, uh, I was just making the point this morning because of the missiles flying into Kiev. I mean, if we use the Western logic, which the Western logic has been saying, Russia has been blowing up its own pipeline. Russia um, blew up the, its own Crimean bridge. Um, it, they've even said that Russia assassinated Dugina. Uh, so I guess the missiles flying into Kiev are a false flag by the Ukrainians themselves. That, that I think that no, makes... no, Zelensky, Zelensky did that. Yeah, he, yeah. he wanted the world to feel sorry for him. Uh, it, it's a measure of how screwed up the mainstream media is now that they even try this. Now, I don't know what kind of numbers they have, but the the media has credibility with something like 11 or 12 or 13% of people. And the fact is because they keep treating their readers as if they're stupid. But let's go on to unintended consequences. The purpose of an American attack on the pipeline would be to do what well to separate germany and and, and russia no and to basically no, collapse exactly europe exactly right it, it would preclude the opportunity of germany sobering up and at the same look i mean why do we have the sanctions in place if the sanctions hurt us more than they hurt the Russians, okay? We we could still supply weapons to Ukraine. We could still send coke to Zelensky. We could still send money so he could steal it. But And we could hate Putin, but wouldn't it be nice to have our businesses continue? I have seen reports 
that over 50% of German businesses will have to close due to the lack of gas. So blowing up the pipelines is catastrophic, and I mean that absolutely for Germany. But if there's still one of the pipes functioning, it puts the situation back in the hands of the Germans. And, and Americans don't realize this, of course, but there are protests all over Europe against NATO and against sanctions. You're not going to read anything about it in the U.S., but it's true. It's true in Paris. It's true in the U.K. It's true in uh, Poland. It's what's that's the other place, Italy. But, but in any case, now Germany is back in the same situation of why don't we turn on Nord Stream 2? Now, let's say the United States said, okay, we screwed that attack up. Let's do it again. How long would it take for the first TikTok video to be on the web after the, the airplane flew over and dropped the torpedo? About about 3.8 seconds. Okay. I mean, that, that would be the most observed attack in world history. So so the United States is in a real quandary now because basically they screwed up the attack. And the Chancellor of Germany is a real quandary because he wants the the gas cut off, even though it's bad for Germany. But the Germans and the Austrians are saying, hey, wait a minute. You know, we would like to have heat. We'd like to have hot water. We'd like to have jobs. Okay. So it's an interesting quandary. So let's go on to the bridge attack. Putin is a very bright guy. And he's a lawyer. And he tends to look at things in legalistic ways. Now, if you compare the attack on Iraq and shock and awe with the attack on Ukraine. The attack on Ukraine was was very, very small, okay? Uh, the Russians didn't even send in very much troops. First time I've ever heard of an attacking force having less combat soldiers than who they were attacking. But Putin was absolutely... Uh, serious about not attacking civilian structures. He was attacking military structures, and it's perfectly legal to do that. And his attack in general was perfectly legal because it was a response to the actions of Ukraine, NATO, and the U.S. But as soon as the attack took place, and, and Ukraine couldn't wait to chortle they even put out a postage stamp, okay? And, and those those are going to be collector's items, okay? I'd love to get my hands on a sheet of them because you talk about unintended consequences. One of the unintended consequences of the attack on the bridge was a missile in Zelensky's office. So sometimes when you do something, the, the end result is not quite what you anticipated in the first place. On March 1st, I said that sanctions were suicide for Europe. 
I'm absolute about that. As soon as the attack on the pipeline took place, I said that that was catastrophic for Germany. Uh, Germany has about 90% of the gas they need to make it through the winter. But as of March 1st, they shut the country down. So there are some really interesting things happening. And of course, uh, the one thing, the glue holding all of this together is what's going to happen in three weeks. And, and yeah, I mean, where do you see things going from here? Because tomorrow, even tomorrow, I have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring. Today, we see missiles raining into Kiev. I've been reading that they've been hitting, uh, as you said, Zelensky's office, certain infrastructure points that uh, electricity and parts of Ukraine and Internet are 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 down. So it's kind of like Iraq shock and awe, mini, mini version right now. Um, and just wh where do you see things, um, you know, going in Europe, energy wise or, or you know, in terms of military escalation? Well, uh, interestingly enough, and that goes back to the law of unintended consequences. Uh, just before the 2020 election, the New York Post uh, put out a report saying that Hunter Biden's laptop had, had been turned over to them. And there, there was lots of information on Hunter Biden's laptop uh, that were very serious charges against Joe Biden and Jim Biden and Hunter Biden. And Hunter Biden was a crackhead and there was porn on there and it was a uh, child molesting on there. It was pretty disgusting. The Democratic Party immediately came back and over 50 intelligence professionals said, ah, it's just Russian disinformation. I looked at it and said, you know, it has the ring of truth. I don't think it's disinformation. But the fact is, it could have and probably should have affected the election. And it was covered up by the DOJ and the FBI. Well, a two years later, the New York Times comes out and says, oh, by the way, it all turns out to be true. Now, this is exceptionally important, and, and your viewers need to understand this. There is data on Hunter Bowdy's laptop that says Joe Biden, as vice president of the United States, was taking bribes from Ukraine. He was also taking bribes from China. Now, depending on how many dead people they can get to line up and vote, if the Republicans take control of the House and the Senate, Joe Biden's got a real serious problem. So you're going to see some bizarre things from the U.S. government in the next three weeks because the Democrats, frankly, are in a panic. So that's the glue that holds this whole thing together. And I'll go so far as to say the CIA was behind both the attack on the pipeline and and the attack on the bridge. It has that fingerprint. Let, let's go back to my background. I, I spent six years in the Marine Corps as a pilot and an intelligence officer and almost two years in Vietnam. And I was well aware of what the CIA was doing in Vietnam. There have been dozens of books written about CIA, and every book concludes 
They are a rogue agency, totally out of control. This is the kind of chicken shit little tack that the CIA likes because they never consider the long-term effects. Yeah, and and, and as you say, I mean, uh, I was coming to this conclusion as well that because Ukraine doesn't have its own agency or, or sovereignty, it's a puppet regime run by Washington and and Brussels. So anything that Zelensky says or does, is it's basically Washington, as you say, or the CIA running the show. I mean, wh- wh- what do you make of him coming out and c- calling for, as I read it, preemptive nuclear strike on Russia and then trying to walk it back? I mean, that, there's no way you can walk that back. And he wouldn't have said that without, as you say, you know, Washington telling him what to say or, or, or do. Um, do you think they're telegraphing any future intentions? I, I don't think so. I, I think that Zelensky is on drugs. Uh, he, he comes up with stuff that's totally bizarre. It's so nuts that you think, hey, this guy is on something. And it is that simple. Uh, there are videos. Now, I can't verify they're true or not. But there are YouTube videos out there that show him using cocaine. He he walks like a duck. He talks like a duck. He quacks like a duck. Is he a duck? Well, probably. Yeah, good good point. There's a fascinating clip that was just re- resurfaced yesterday from like probably 20, 30 years ago where uh, Zelensky was a young comedian and Putin, I guess, uh, was in the audience, young Putin, and he was making fun of Putin like 20 or 30 years ago in his role as a comedian and and Putin as a government official. And look where we are now. It's just kind of uh, bizarre. And uh, maybe just to get your thoughts as well, again, an update on WEF, World Economic Forum, Davos, uh, and the Great Reset. I know you've said that they will uh, fail and and they don't seem to be doing so well. But, um, you know, I still can't help but see around me uh, examples of how they are advancing this digital dystopia or cashless uh agenda like here in mexico they just announced one mexican bank got a license to go fully online digital with no physical branches and i'm seeing more and more services going to like smartphone apps with no alternative i mean what, what's your take on where we are in the great uh reset and you know them trying to push social credit systems cbdc's you know cashless digital dystopia in the west uh you have this fraternity slash sorority group of very wealthy people and influential people who get together a couple times a year and they talk to each other and it's an echo chamber. So they talk to each other and they listen to each other and they come up with some of the dumbest ideas in the world. Now, in my books, and I say this again and again and again, ordinary people who can use facts and logic can come to their own conclusion about what's going on. So, okay, uh, it's time for a quick question. You know, everybody hates this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Which is more efficient, a small organization or a big organization? I'd go with a smaller organization. Exactly. It's that simple. The bigger the group, 
the more screwed up they are. Uh, the guys who make Gore-Tex, okay, the guy who has the brains behind it, realized that once the company got beyond 150 people, uh, you had situations where somebody knew somebody, but they had to know somebody else to know everybody else. You got 150 people, everybody can know everybody. If you got 152 people, okay, you have to start going through other people. Small organizations are absolutely more efficient than large organizations. The most perfect example in the world is the EU. Okay, and there is nothing more screwed up in world history than the stupidity coming out of the EU. The whole thing about sanctions. I, I mean, here's what people can't get their grip around. If the sanctions hurt you, but they don't hurt Russia, why not drop the sanctions? Now, that isn't rocket science. You don't have to be intelligent. You can hate Putin. You can be on the on, on the road to the front lines with your AK-47. It's okay. Turn the sanctions off. And they are too stupid to do it. And we're now in October, starting to get cool in Europe. And people are on the street saying, uh, wait a minute. I, I can't afford food. The cost of energy is high. I can't afford to heat my place. So let me give you a number that's pretty staggering. Uh, many of the countries in Europe have decided it is far better for the government to subsidize the cost of energy. And they have committed to spending $1.6 trillion to do this. Now, here's what's totally death. The cost of the pipeline. Uh, Total cost of the pipeline, Nord Stream 2, was $11 billion. About 60% of that was Russia and 40% of it was Germany. And I was thinking $11 billion, man, that's a lot of money. But when I saw the $1.6 trillion, I thought, holy cow. Okay, another trick question. Who pays the $1.6 trillion? Uh, that that would be the taxpayers. Okay, you know we're not we're not going to charge you a thousand percent increase in the cost of energy this year. We'll charge it over the next year and the year after and the year after. So uh, Europe and, and you you can write this down. You can put it on a piece of paper. You can take it to the bank and you can cash it. These sanctions are going to destroy. Europe, period. Okay. That's not even to the point of being an opinion. That is a fact. There is no possible way Europe can survive without Russia. Now, how long is it going to take people to wake up to that? People are waking up right now. How long is it going to take for governments to wake up to it when they're hanging at the end of a piece of hemp rope? from an oak tree, they're going to start to get it. There is a run on pitchforks at the local Home Depot right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would agree. Um, I, I guess one plus coming out of this, and I speak as a, unfortunately, an EU citizen, a proud Croatian, but uh, an un, uh, inadvertent EU citizen. I, I do hope the EU 
disintegrates it's a totalitarian um construct and you know any other thoughts i i I know we talked last time about chickens and relocation people can go back and listen to that and if you have any other um you know beyond that any other tips whether it's investors fleeing like what do you put your money in in terms of safety or uh, i was reading in the uk the, the the government's buying up bonds like to stave off collapse and uh you know any, any other thoughts uh in terms of again for people trying to uh not go down completely with the ship well that's about three or four questions i think in one i pick think one, pick one. <laughs> uh, one of the things i highly recommend to people and of course it entirely depends on your circumstances you, you want to get as self-sufficient as possible now I I had two really wonderful hens, but the hens, of course, were female, and because they were female, they didn't listen very well. And every night, I I would tell them, "Okay, guys, girls, you have this nice pen, and you need to go to the pen and sleep because you'll be safe, because there are dogs and foxes here, and if you stay in the barn." You're going to get eaten. Well, guess what happened? They were someone's dinner. <laughs> I, 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 I think sometimes that there is a sign a quarter of a kilometer down the road saying KFC turn left 100 meters. Uh, I, I, I've been supplying half the foxes in the south of France with KFC for the last three months. I, I'm getting very good at, at raising chicks. Okay. Let me think. I have eight chicks, four that are month old and four that are about a week old and new chick born today. Uh, as far as getting to the point, I actually could put them to work. Uh, that that's that's quite a different story. But, but uh, the point there is, you really do need to be self-sufficient. Uh, we're going to go into hyperinflation, absolutely in Europe. Uh, food is going to be in shortage, and that's true in the United States and uh, Europe. It's true all over the world. So you need to be as self-sufficient as possible and do not depend on the government or any other large organization. And and I'll be candid. I I think the World Economic Forum has been very successful convincing of people of things that are just absolute stupidity. Climate change is bullshit. Every guy that's in the mining business, okay, the world's four and a half billion years old, and climate's been changing every day for four and a half billion. But the mainstream media keeps pushing us climate change, climate change, climate change. It's bullshit, okay? The solution is to give more power to the government. But if anybody believes that climate change is real, I want them to send me an example of something the government has done that actually affected it in a positive way. And you can't say, well, they've killed fossil fuel. Well, yeah, they have killed fossil fuel. But if you go back to about 1860 and you take a graph 
of energy production for the first oil wells until now, you can overlay that with the growth in population. So if you decrease fossil fuel production, you have to decrease uh, people production. And I think that's what was behind COVID. I think that's what behind cl climate change. A lot of things, uh, electric vehicles are all subsidized. And the reason they're subsidized is from an economic point of view, they don't work. Some things like, like the wind turbines, if you take the total cost of a wind turbine, from the time they, they put the concrete pad down until they they tear it up and take the the uh, wings and, and bury them on a landfall someplace, wind turbines never pay their costs. They're subsidized. And, and frankly, anything the government subsidizes, it's an admission that they've been stupid again. Now, whether it's bonds, and you just raised a really good point. If you have 10% inflation and you have 2% to 4% interest rates, how are you going to cure inflation? The answer is you can't. Okay, so the solution is they raise interest rates to 10 or 12%, which will destroy the stock market and the bond market. Or you keep interest rates where there are and you have hyperinflation. It's like the argument between which is worse, a heart attack or lung cancer. And the fact is, it, I'm not sure it makes any difference. That that's that's where we're at, and and as you mentioned about uh, climate and pandemic, that's the name of the game. Yeah, eugenics. I totally agree. And um, we, we did see some pushback against the green agenda. I believe Louisiana, the governor, just came out and said uh, Louisiana is pulling out a billion dollars from BlackRock because of their insane ESG, environment, social governance, climate. Uh, that's basically the social credit system for businesses and so louisiana said give me back my billion dollars that would bankrupt the louisiana louisiana economy which is based on energy and and fossil fuels so that's a that, that's a start and um any final thought for us then uh bob uh we are in exceptionally dangerous times there is a satanic group that intends to destroy the world's economy and that they could well succeed in. However, and you just raised a really beautiful issue. Uh, were you aware that the Surgeon General of, of Florida just came out and said he didn't recommend it, uh, the shot to people under 50? Yeah, I briefly saw that he was answered on Twitter, I think. Yeah, exactly. Well, here's what they did. They bounced him off Twitter. Okay. How much credibility do you have to have? You you can't post on uh, 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 YouTube or, or Twitter or, or Facebook if you're the guy who invented mRNA, okay, because you don't have any credibility. But here here's what's happening. Did you follow what Jeffrey Sachs said recently? No, I've uh, 
No, well, what did he, what did he say? Okay, he he's the very eminent uh, uh, professor from Columbia, uh, one of the smartest uh, professors in the United States, one of the most important. He, he's in the group of a hundred most influential Americans. Uh, he came out. He was the head of Lancet, and he came out six or eight months ago and said, "Oh, by the way." Every, everything that I've seen since COVID uh, was created in the laboratory. laboratory. And, and of course, I think he's dead right. And, and somebody uh, did an interview with him uh, just a few days ago, and they were talking about Ukraine. He said, look, I mean, uh, the, the direction this is going is a nuclear war, and it would behoove Ukraine to actually sit down and negotiate but this is not a case of Russia invaded without cause. There was a lot of cause. Uh, I'm going to disagree on one thing. Because Putin is a lawyer, and because he certainly understands the impact of using nuclear weapons, uh, the United States and the neocons uh, and the EU want a nuclear war because these idiots think you can win a nuclear war. You can't. Okay. Uh, when I was in Vietnam, they used to send flights of B-52 over and all of the flights of B-52, they, they were in units of three aircraft. So you would have three aircraft or six aircraft or nine aircraft or 27 aircraft depending on how big the target was. And of course, these guys are bombing the shit out of the jungle. And, and a B-52 would carry 117, 500, 750-pound bombs. So if they came in with a flight of six or nine aircraft and started dropping bombs, uh, you would have an area 300 or 400 meters wide, maybe five kilometers long, and it bang, 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 bang. You could feel it from 15 or 20 miles away. How much effect did it have? Well, you're the expert. <laughs> Who won? Well, not us, certainly. Uh, the amazing thing is, and I will give credit to the Vietnamese people, the Viet Cong and the Viet men in the North Vietnamese Army, they were the bravest people I've ever seen. I cannot imagine undergoing some kind of bombardment like that. There was nothing that, that we did that, that, that compared to it. Uh, if, if they fired rockets at Nang or Quang Tree, there might be three or four 122 millimeter rockets, and that was it. There was nothing to compare to a B-52 strike. And the fact is, they won. But for all of the guys who thought the United States was doing something good, when I was there, Vietnam was a shithole. If you go back to Vietnam now, and I've been back a couple of times, it's an amazing country. A wonderful, wonderful, friendly people, uh, very prosperous. Uh, you don't actually want to rent a motorcycle. <laughs> Because uh, it it's the most dangerous place in the world to be on a motorcycle. I've never driven in Da Nang or in Saigon uh, where there wasn't an accident. But uh, 
we were told we were making Vietnam safe for democracy and the dirty commies, okay, would turn it into a terrible place. And the dirty commies won. And the fact of the matter is Vietnam's wonderful today. So we were lied to. We're being lied to now. There's some really massive changes coming to the United States, and that's going to be a really good thing. But we've got to make it through. I don't believe Putin has any particular interest or need to use nuclear weapons. I, I think, you know, a couple more rockets in Zelensky's office, he's going to have a come to Jesus moment. Just one more question that came to mind. It's been on my mind for some days and, and, and people arguing about this. If, if Russia is serious about their war, um, on against Ukraine, why are they still, um, you know, sending gas or, or electricity or energy to Ukraine? Why don't they just shut that off? And one kind of explanation that I came up with was parallel to like the Pearl Harbor U.S. Japan situation where the U.S. was giving oil to Japan, but the moment they shut that off, that put Japan in a corner, you know, basically escalating things and forcing Japan to attack. Um, would that be sort of an explanation? Like if, if he, if Putin shut off, you know, energy to Ukraine, that would escalate things. Why does he still continue to send like in some parts electricity and, and, and gas? He hasn't, uh, spoken to me in weeks about tactics. I know there's a lot that I could help him with. But uh, if if you're going to go to war, uh, you have to attack the the key elements of the enemy's structure. And he's been very good about not attacking civilian structure. And they have finally given him the go ahead. Uh, to to wage real war putin's problem is he thinks there's some people in europe who don't have their head up their ass who are running governments and i i'm going to maintain that for eight months if europe has still maintained the sanctions you could say that with the exception of hungary every leader in Europe has its head totally up its ass. I, I was hoping, you know, and, and I, I'm actually an optimist. When a crisis hits a country, the real leaders kind of float to the top. Okay. The same thing's true in war. You get the incompetent generals at the beginning. You get the U.S. grant at the end. You've got to have a competent leadership. But in, a, in an environment where you don't have a crisis, there's no reward for that. When you do have a crisis, you have to have it. But I, I, I can't believe if you look at that silly woman who's the head of the EU, it, it's amazing the stupidity that comes out of her mouth and why the EU is treating their next door neighbor as an enemy is utterly beyond me. I can understand the United States because the United States is playing this Mike makes right game for really 75 years and losing 
for 75 years. I mean, you take every war that we fought since World War II, the United States lost. And the only reason they won World War II was because the Russians killed 80% of the Germans. So, so we've been on the wrong track. The quality of leadership in the EU is just absolutely abysmal. And it's guys like Jeffrey Sachs, the attorney general, not the attorney general, the surgeon general of Florida, the uh, whoever it was in, in uh, Louisiana, who, who cut off the paychecks to BlackRock. People are starting to wake up, but we need more people to wake up. And it's absolutely vital. I'm going to go into that for just a minute. People have to educate themselves. Nobody is ever going to see a TikTok video of me coming down the mountain with Moses carrying big chunks of rock, okay? Because I wasn't there. Okay, if you see a video of me doing it, somebody made it up. It was Photoshop. I I don't have all the answers. I've got all the opinions, but I don't have all the answers. But if people will educate themselves, because literally your life and your future depend on you doing the right thing and stop believing the bullshit, the media and the government is feeding you. Uh, Casey, William Casey, director of the CIA, was very famous for saying, we will know that we have succeeded as the CIA when everything Americans believe is a lie. We're there. We're there. Everything we're told is a lie. And it's incumbent on everyone who's concerned about their home, their children, their family, their town, their business to educate themselves. And one good place to go uh, is uh, 321gold.com. It's always great to get an update uh, from you, Bob. And again, people can check out uh, your books on investing and, and some of your other uh, exploits all the links will be in the description and uh um hope to chat again and and be, be well uh-huh hang on one minute i i i wanted to talk to you about this and i had forgotten all about it. okay let's see yeah no guts no glory okay Nobody knows this, okay? People know that I work for Ross Perot, and people know I was fighter pilot, uh, and people know I was in the computer business. But for a 10-year period, I flew small planes all over the world. And while I was doing that, I did 243 trips total. While I was doing that, uh, I set about a dozen aviation records, including... Lindbergh's record from New York, Paris twice. Uh, I was in four air races. And the worst that I ever came in was second. I flew under the Eiffel Tower. I, I did some really interesting stuff. So, so I had actually written this book about 30 years ago, and, and I dusted it off and, and edited it and put some pictures in. This this is a really great book. And if you want some interesting reading, go to Amazon and and order it. 
I had no idea. So it's re you recently uh, put it out? Yeah, yeah, like two weeks ago. All right, I'm going to make an order then. That's uh, very cool. And again, uh, people, you speak from a position of credibility and, and authority. So for people that say, oh, this is all conspiracy theory, theory I mean, Bob, just check out Bob, uh, Bob's uh, bio. So um, again, thank you. Uh, I hope no missiles land uh, near you in in France, and uh, we can uh, chat again. I I I think we'll be okay. It, it it it's a good sign that one by one people are waking up, and I'm gonna give you a lot of credit for it. Okay, you absolutely have one of the best uh, video platforms, great guests. I pay attention. I, I haven't got the time. <laughs> How could I go watch two or three hours of videos every day? And the fact is, I haven't got the time to do it. I work on my website seven days a week. So, so, so I don't have the time, but I love your guests. I love your questions. I love working with you. And uh, I... I hope the next time you call, you say, Bob, nothing that's happened in weeks. What do you think about that? And I'm going to say, that, that's a really good thing. Okay. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and I encourage you to sign up for the free email list that goes out with each podcast and every weekend with a collection of news headlines. The newsletter and website are our last lines of defense. We're being censored and deplatformed. It's nearly impossible to find geopolitics and empire on the Google search engine. We've been blacklisted. YouTube frequently takes down our videos with strikes. Facebook restricts our page. Reddit and Twitter take down posts. And after the Associated Press mentioned geopolitics and empire in a 2021 article co-written with NATO, our Patreon account was terminated. Vimeo also terminated our pro account. The best free way to help Geopolitics and Empire is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere and subscribe to all of our media channels. You can find the video broadcast now on five platforms, Odyssey, Rockfin, Rumble, BitChute, and Brighteon. You can find the audio broadcast on the podcast ecosystem, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and so on. My current favorite social media channels are Twitter and Telegram, but you can also find us on Gab, MeWe, Minds, Float, VK, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Finally, Geopolitics and Empire is in dire need of funding to continue. You can leave a donation, purchase a consultation with the host, or become a member to receive additional benefits. We also produce a weekly broadcast called Dissident Thinker for members and Rockfin subscribers only. We will continue to fight the good fight come hell or high water. Thank you for listening.